Guys, welcome to part two of the Fantasy Star Tribute episode of Retro Futures Podcast. This episode, I've got Mitch and Six Button Samurai, and we're continuing on with our story about Fantasy Star, really getting into Fantasy Star Online, what that game meant to us, and our hopes for the future of Fantasy Star franchise and possibly Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. So stay tuned, have fun. All right, back on track. Uh, PSO. Before we dive into PSO, can I can I just inject real quick on on four? Like again, as as someone who was not an a long time fantasy star player, and then that you know kind of drove me to other RPGs and things. uh, I wanted to comment on on the female characters, you know that consistently pop up these really strong characters. I don't know why it, it, it really occurred to me, but I think it was something that you guys said earlier on. You said that uh, in, and like I said, I didn't go back and play one, but what is it about these, these games that uh, the other adventure games are always playing a dude. Why, why all these strong female characters? What was different about these that caused that? Is that a, does that make Could sense? Have something to do with the big female producer of the series. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, no, Maybe. you're right. I I totally also, forgot about that. I think that some of it has to come like you had an influx of '80s science fiction movies that are uh-huh. probably all going to be covered here on the RFC, where we had strong female leads. You had Ripley in Alien and Aliens. You mm-hmm. had uh, Sarah Connor in Terminator One. You know, you had um, there was just so many in the '80s uh, where females were being cast into these strong roles and um the japanese like to assimilate at that time were assimilating like american pop culture and putting it into everything i mean james uh that example of revenge of snowy i mean they they put batman rambo terminator hulk godzilla and spider-man all into revenge of snobie mm-hmm. uh so i i I really feel like that was kind of a huge influence and, uh, and the influence came back, you know what I mean? And that was really cool. And, uh, it's just cool that that, that happened. Yeah. I was just wondering if you guys had some insight into it. Cause I knew you guys were a little bit more versed in, in Japanese culture and things like that. Uh, because when I, when I picked those games up and I was playing them, it was very, very new to me as far as a, like a gamer. Cause again, always playing masculine, tough guy, muscle bound characters and stuff. And now you had these really cool, uh, well-developed and strong female characters. I just, it was kind of novel and I really thought it was cool. Yeah, no, exactly. I, it was amazing. I could be full of it here, but you could be. I could be. I totally could be. Um, I think there's something inherent to... There's something about people that pursue games on the creative side, like in the industry in Japan, where like, it's still not exactly a thing that everybody thinks is a great idea, like on a societal level in Japan to like spend that much time playing video games. And so I think as people that create those things, they're sort of chafing against 
the kind of overall conservative nature of that society to begin with. There's you know still a I mean? punk mentality, like yeah. rebel against the power. Yeah. So it is, there is, I think there is a little bit of a sort of countercultural aspect to people that create those games for that business mm-hmm. over there that, you know, it's almost like, you know, cause some people think that of like filmmakers or artists in the U S like, Oh, when are you going to get a real job kind of thing? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think the people that gravitate towards making that kind of entertainment are the ones that are more likely to sort of take risks creatively with like something different as somebody that's, that's a protagonist in a story. Like that. I don't know. Could be wrong. I like but, it. I like, but it seems I like, like it. That's, that's good. And that's, a, I mean, that's a lot of the same. I feel like, like you were saying that the filmmakers at the time they were, you know, in the eighties, pushing these science fiction films were always kind of looked down upon for a long time. I mean, um, star Wars kind of broke the mold and, and we had princess Leia, we had a super strong female character right away in that. And then I think that, that inspired, you know, to have a strong female lead in alien and strong female leads in, um, other science fiction franchises like Terminator aliens, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. as they've gone on, uh, it's been really good to get that out there. Um, So the year is 1999. Sega, Sega is about to release their last, I'm going to cry a little bit, their last console that we would buy. Um, We had the Saturn, the Saturn never, Saturn was a great machine. It just never did really all that great in, anywhere in the world right it in japan the playstation just destroyed it and in the west you had the playstation and the nintendo 64 kind of running rings around it It, they had some great games um we got some great series out of there panzer dragoon that'll be coming up on the rfc at some point i'll probably have you two gentlemen to talk about that series when we get to that i'll be there with bells on for that right so um 1999 Sega releases the Dreamcast. In fact, uh, I think both, I want to say both times that all three of us got our import Dreamcasts at the same time. We also, I know that Six Button and I got our US Dreamcasts at your uh, EB <laughs> Games, or was it GameStop? It was, Game, it was a software, software et cetera. Software, et cetera. Software, et cetera. <laughs> They're all yeah, they're all the same now, but um, yeah, it was at the store you worked at that we picked up our U.S. Uh, <laughs> Dreamcast so that we could have both. And um, a year later, right, we got a new Fantasy Star game, and this wasn't just a story game. This was Fantasy Star Online, and mm-hmm. um, the prospect of playing Fantasy Star with other players in a joined world. Like I was beyond excited. I think we were, I think we all were. Um, I remember seeing the stuff in the magazines. I was like, Oh cool. And it was going to be an action RPG. And I had been dabbling a little bit on um, PC. I played like Diablo one and stuff like that on PC. So I was kind of looking forward to something like that on the dreamcast. And it finally released and uh, it was amazing. I was not let down. The the art, the music. I mean, Yuji Naka was back. He 
he pulled a team together and uh i guess he was tasked with like you need to make the best online like co-op game for dreamcast and he did um absolutely pso right pso comes out and holy cow i was blown away i was so blown away that i think i probably it's pulled another like when ps4 came out i think i stayed up that whole first night like like on a like on 56k right (laughs) nobody could call nobody could and there was no there was no cell phones to text well there were but they were super expensive at the time but uh yeah um let's let's all just go a little bit of round table <laughs> on like what what that game meant to us and then we'll get into some of the craziness of it i'm gonna i'm gonna start with uh you mitch all right uh i i don't even know where to begin with the stories and the impact that game had um you guys remember you guys remember my buddy maurice Oh man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Like uh he's actually who <laughs> we we pestered and pestered him for months because he was stationed in Japan when the Dreamcast came out and we wired him money. I don't even remember how we did it back in the day, but we got him our, our cash and and he was in charge of getting everybody our import Dreamcast and he was dropping the ball and finally he came through and we got him. And uh yeah, Fantasy Star was a Fantasy Star Online was just a earth-shattering experience. And I the first time that I made it all the way through, uh, I was playing with Maurice in Japan, my buddy Ian in Texas, and Tejada there in Tucson. So, I mean, just on a cultural and gameplay level, like that experience, that I, I don't think can be emphasized enough. Like what an what an incredible thing that was. What an earth-shattering change in gaming for me to be playing with those guys across the, the globe and beating that thing together. It was really something and beautiful. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Love the art, love the character designs. The mag system was a blast, like leveling that little thing up and you just got so attached to it. Yeah, and just the things that were being created, like in the lobbies, like people the relationships and things, even though we were communicating at the time, if you were lucky, you had the keyboard and you could type some stuff out, but you're communicating right. with little Otherwise, icons. Like oh. Doing text one at a time or just making the smileys. No yeah. Voice chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No voice chat yet. No voice chat yet. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, I got DSL yeah. just for that game. I didn't care. I mean, there was other things that it was beneficial for, but that's actually, why I got I already, DSL. I actually already had DSL when that came oh. out, but I, I, uh, I'll get into that, that adapter. Um, yeah, I did. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, just real quickly, the the story of PSO is that um, you're on a colony ship, the Pioneer 2, which is one of those ships that escaped Palma from Fantasy Star 2. Um, and you, again, Dark, Dark Force has somehow found these people on Regal, and you have to uh, take them out through going through various levels. <laughs> Um, take them out take them out yeah and there's there's so many cool it was cool that they switched uh for this game for a co-op game to be like an action rpg um the gameplay was really fun really solid i loved the combination mechanics and the different character classes and you could switch a couple gear and then you had those little things called mags that were like tamagotchis (laughs) but they actually did things but you had yeah. to feed them and they, depending on what you fed them or what you gave to them, they would mutate to different forms. And then there were secret mags you could find. I mean, that was the first game where I became obsessed with certain loot, like to the point yeah. where you would run, 
you would you would work up to where you could do the harder difficulties so that you could do these crazy runs to try and get better gear um and i got so i i I imported the broadband adapter and uh another friend of ours hayden you remember hayden he made me a copy of the broadband dreamcast iso software so i could load it up and because you had to program it in to work on your dsl (laughs) so i was able to get it on my dsl so that i didn't have to use the phone line anymore and then that's well that was when a lot of pso happened because i didn't have to worry about blocking the phone Mm -hmm. a lot of pso that was this is the game this is probably the first game where i had many 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 nights where i don't think i went to bed till the next day I didn't have I didn't have a, as much of a, a responsibility <laughs> at the time I worked at. Uh, I was working when PSO was came it? out. I was working for Santora, so I could oh. play all night and just crawl into the computer shop on no sleep. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> oh man, I think at the time I um, I think uh, Sam was I was living with Sam, and I pretty sure Justin was our roommate. And I mean, everybody in the house was playing it until wee hours of the dawn. I had actually picked up the VGA adapter for my Dreamcast so I could play it on the computer monitor. And it was it was mind-boggling, just slicing through my eyeballs at all hours. It was great. Yeah. No, it was obscenely beautiful. And it was really like, that game more than any other was really like the giant peak at the future. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like this is what, this is the thing that most people are going to wind up doing in one form or another with consoles, right. like from yeah. here on out. That was the gateway console online gaming drug. And, and to this day, it's still one of the best representations. I'm constantly chasing, I'm constantly chasing the cocaine high of PSO in other yeah. games i'm always like the closest thing i found is uh is the borderland series because there hasn't been well there has we'll get into that later but there hasn't been anything like pso since. no because it was that perfect mix of like interconnectivity and gameplay simplicity like the gameplay itself is simple but there's just so much that you can there there's so there's so much in terms of the items and those kinds of shared experiences with your friends where like you know it's really easy to get somebody up to speed on like how to play PSO. Right. How know? many times did you go through Forest One? A gazillion. <laughs> Julian. Yeah. The music. The yeah. music. The music. Remember how like the game was a masterpiece production where you can tell that Sega put they probably threw all the money they had to make that game at the time, or at least they had a significant budget because the art is amazing, the animations, the net code, the music was amazing, the boss fights, the yeah, amount the whole of items. dynamic changing thing with the music where yeah. an area had like a specific theme. And then when enemies emerged, it would be like danger music. Right. As they approach, it would shift to a more dramatic version of that same theme. And then you'd kill them off. And then the land would sort of return to like that mellow exploration vibe again until more enemies showed up. And it was just, it was so brilliantly crafted to like keep you playing. 
it was almost a, a magical balance because the maps really there were a few variations depending on where you started things like that but how do you make like a three hit combo and then casting a little bit here and there and say, how do you make that so replayable and so engrossing? Yeah, it had, it had like that street fighter two level of just the combinations felt smooth and effortless and they were fun to do over and over. And the button timing ever so slightly on the sword slashes would get you a different (laughs) attack. Remember it was like light, light, hard, light, hard, light, 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 light light hard hard like you know when you would get <laughs> mm-hmm. and depending on the class too or the weapon like if you were using the big old two-handed like final fantasy 7 style big old sword it would be like super so it'd be like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. but if you mm-hmm. had the little the little light um lightsaber, the little dude i remember i crapped my pants the first time i saw somebody uh was playing with uh, my brother and one of his friends and some other guy that they knew came in. And this dude is the first time I saw somebody that had a double seat. And I was like, what yeah. the ball? Because, <laughs> you know, this is right after Star Wars Episode One had come out. Yeah. So <laughs> The variations visually in the armor and in the weapons made you salivate. You're looking for that next big one that's going to outfit your character and you're going to look awesome. And that I, that I think really drove it, too. It's like, oh, shit, yeah. I'm going to get a, Wait, a new weapon listen, that's going to look dope. Listen to this. Did the mic pick that up? Do you hear that? This is the yeah. Fantasy Star Online versus Books official perfect guide. I still own this. Yeah. Nice. It has details of all of the dungeons, the variations, the monsters, the artwork, the items you can find. Uh, it still has the poster inside. Wow. Uh, I loved this game. I uh, I have no way of playing this game anymore. I guess I could download one of the hacked PC versions, but um, it was such a classically Sega thing, though, because Sega, if there's like a through line through all of their games, it's like you have this unbelievably pleasant choice of colors that just emphasizes like this kind of bright, multicolored thing. And then like a really simple interface that's simple on the surface, but then like ridiculously deep below it yes yeah yeah Yeah. so Uh, much so that we that we bought it how many more times and (laughs) (laughs) so you had the dreamcast right there was um fantasy star online and then they did fantasy star online version two which i skipped because it wasn't like a major update i didn't skip it i kind of I'm going to be honest, I took a little break from Fantasy Star Online uh, because I, at that time I was starting to play more PC. I think Diablo 2 mm-hmm. had come out and uh, like the crew, <laughs> the Bookman's crew was playing a lot of that. And so I played with them and um, it wasn't until later on the GameCube, the Nintendo GameCube came out and that seemed uh to be like maybe that was going to be our dreamcast successor the gamecube was reminiscent of the dreamcast in size and shape but taller you know it was nintendo Mm -hmm. took those weird little discs but they got they got a port of fantasy star online and not only did you get episode one you got the new episode two that had four new areas Um, Mm -hmm. 
And I picked that up right away, and I even got one of those really goofy Japanese-only GameCube keyboard controllers. The ASCII <laughs> one? Yeah, that was kind of hideous. <laughs> and it was ridiculously expensive. Yeah, I paid a mint for that thing. I'm not going to yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, so I got addicted all over again to the GameCube one, and I'm pretty sure we all played that one together, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wound up playing that one together until we ended up migrating to the xbox version right and um didn't you lose like your entire character save on your gamecube version due to because you had a you had a switch in your gamecube or something james well no here's what happened the way the character files were stored on the memory cards they were optimized specifically for the base gamecube memory card oh and, you and if you oh, had no. your file on one of the larger capacity ones like the game would like literally desync because the memory was it. slower in those big cards it, right in the compressed oh. ones so yeah that's not even that's not even the later memory card tragedy that i ended up having on gamecube when i got my modded for region but yeah <laughs> Yeah, so we had the GameCube one. I even, like, on the GameCube, because the GameCube, you had to buy the broadband adapter separately, right? It didn't come with it. No, it didn't have any. Yeah, separate. It didn't have online at all. You had to buy it. You had to buy it, so I bought that, and I played PSO for a bit on there. Just that PSO, just that's why I bought it. That's it. The GameCube. Yeah, I mean, there were a few games that I really enjoyed. We'll get into that uh, another time, probably. (laughs) So so then they released... you know, the Xbox came out and I wasn't interested. This is going to sound crazy because everybody knows that I'm like, I love Xbox now. That's where I hang out. But I wasn't interested in Xbox when it came out. It's my fault. I, it is. <laughs> I was just about to say, a total diehard Sega fan. I was heartbroken, heartbroken Sega yeah. fan. And uh, James was all, he was six button was all hyped up for Halo. And I was like, really? And I was just like, I'd been playing PC games. So to me, like Halo didn't look like anything that great. I was, I had actually had kind of gone full on PCMR at the time. Um, See, this was the beginning. I had played Halo. I think it was actually at the kiosk at Mitch's store. So it's <laughs> only only by proxy, not not by direct course of action. But I I honestly like I mean I saw the Xbox at the E3 before it came out, and I laughed at it. I laughed yeah. at it because the thing was fucking huge, and it had this really unwieldy controller, and I was just oh. like. Yeah, the controller's uh, I bad. I don't care about this thing at all. Like, I just don't. Oh, and I laughed at Halo at that, that E3 before it, it launched. It was right. awful. Yeah, right. it was, yeah. Well, and there's the thing. I played, like, I'm just watching somebody else play Halo, and I'm seeing that second level where you've escaped from the Pillar of Autumn Oh, and you land go on the, the ring. ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just watching him kind of run around. In this yeah, that large immersive environment mm-hmm. with the forest and like the enemies drop out of one place and you can kind of hide for a long time or then you can or you can just go balls out and try to take them out like immediately kind of thing. Um, I was really kind of transfixed by like the scope of what was happening in a level with that game. And the thing was previously 
the FPS bug hadn't bitten me at all. Like Goldeneye came out and lots of people were freaking out and playing Goldeneye on the 64. I looked at it and I was just like, eh, like this doesn't do anything for me kind of thing. But then that guy stopped playing. I pick up the controller and like the, you know, the relatively, you know, a, a, a game like that moving at 30 frames most of the time was fairly revolutionary at the time because Goldeneye had was shock. like 10, 10 to 15 <laughs> frames. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was better in story mode, but, you know, right. it was a far more fluid game. The way it used the controller with the big fat triggers that were on the Duke felt unbelievably good. And so the idea to me that like, Oh my God, like we could play this thing over land and have like split screen, you know, house parties with like Xboxes in different rooms and us all, you know, enjoying multiplayer in that vein. I mean, that was the idea that immediately. Right. And that's, you bought an (laughs) Xbox. I went to your place. I played halo immediately. I was like, Oh my God, I gotta have this. So I go get an Xbox. It was like this cool daisy chain of events. So I get an Xbox and then Santora gave me an Xbox live kit. Like, cause he got two of them and Santora is just mm-hmm. like the nicest guy. He's always like yeah. the nicest guy. He's like, Oh, I got an extra one. You can have it. And I got Mecha Salt and I got totally into Xbox Crimson Skies. All these great games came out. And then I don't, I don't remember there being a big announcement. Just all of a sudden out of nowhere, bam, they dropped fantasy star online on Xbox. And, and it's like, a whole Shut up. Up. Well, it, it made all the sense in the world because they had announced all these projects for Xbox. Right. right? Yeah. So, That's where I got um, into the Xbox is all those great Sega studios started heading yeah, that direction. Panzer Dragoon, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. It seemed like I was like, Oh, this might be our second coming of, of Sega here on the Xbox. And right. Uh, and they so, had that, like, that arrangement that radio that future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Those, those, so they that drop, well, the Dreamcast running that Windows CE at the time, you kind right, of saw the, the seeds the planted early there. on. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because they drop, and the coolest thing I was telling uh, Mitch and I had a little talk yesterday, the box art for uh, Fantasy Star Online and the Xbox was cool because you have a hunter on the front holding two green sabers and they cross <laughs> and make an X. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like blown away by that. But here's where the thing gets cool because it's, it's the port of the GameCube version, which has episodes one and two. So it's got all that. It works on Xbox Live, which at the time was like the most stable, smoothest, and greatest gaming thing in the world because you could connect with your friends, all your games worked, you didn't have to worry about anything. And here's the part where it gets even better. You no longer have to type in Fantasy Star Online. You can just chat with your friends. And this was good and bad at the same time because the addiction on that platform was even worse. Yeah. Like even I mean, and and there's some great stories. Um, I just remember. You're just like waking up with the game still active. <laughs> there was one night, it was like three or four in the morning. I'm, I'm asleep and I something woke me up and I could hear in my headset, I could hear snoring on the other end and it was Pat. <laughs> we were both sitting in the lobby and our characters were moving it up. We we're both like sound logs. It was hysterical. And yeah. I was like, oh man, I'm going to go to bed. I just, I think I literally just walked up and turned my Xbox off and then crawled into bed. But there were many, many nights like that. And it was just so fun to, and I played a lot of Fantasy Star with Mitch on the Xbox. I think I played more with you on yeah. the Xbox than any other platform. Me, you, so. Sam, Pat, um, James, everybody. We were just, 
And I, I made some really cool friends on that platform where it was so much fun. So much fun. That's my <laughs> still to this day, my favorite version of Fantasy Star Online. If they were to re-release that on the Series X. Maybe they'll get inspired by Diablo 2, right? Yeah. They'll just be like, here's PSO Classic. Go knock yourself oh. out. <laughs> such a bad idea oh such a great bad idea i just see it again like you know hey hey wake hey wake up you're just trying to someone's just running into the wall you know what's happened it's not a glitch they've been playing for 14 hours straight and they're asleep they just took a nose dive in their chair yeah yep. i think i even got frejo to play that once I think he picked up a copy of Bookwoods or something because it was like you didn't have to pay for a hunter's license like the first month or something was free or whatever. Uh, That's a minor miracle because that dude doesn't cotton RPGs at all. No, but I think it was because of the hype of, you know, we'd all been talking about it for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then then there was another drought and uh I tried uh, recently to play. They finally released PSO2, which came out in Japan 2012 on the PC. They finally released that on the Xbox last year. And I played it for a little bit, but it just feels really dated and clunky. Um, They did announce there's a new version of that coming out later this year called Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. Uh, I've been following some YouTubers that got to play the beta. They do say it's a lot better and a lot more user-friendly and there's more character options. It's still going to be free to play, so I will definitely be checking that out. But the one thing that's notable is that Yuji Naka hasn't worked on Fantasy Star since Fantasy Star Online Episodes 1 and 2. That was it. You know, he... Uh, he now works for Square Enix, which hurts a little bit. But you know, you got you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> got to stay paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it hurts a little as a Sega fan. You know what I mean? Um, what would be uh, what would be your overall favorite themes or or themes? in fantasy star the series or online or what's what's the thing that you find the most notable about this series uh that kept you interested for so long or that still kind of like kindles that spark where you think about it and go oh that was so good <laughs> six button um You know, I can I can get an instant dose of happy if I either recall the town theme from Fantasy Star 2. Um just from the very first town. Um like that's an instant jolt of happy for me, that or the forest theme, of course, from Fantasy Star Online. Um those tunes from PSO are like burned in my brain, man. Burned. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. Like, you know, your brain as a monitor with like stuff just fried into it. Like, absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, the whole series has great music throughout. I mean, also, I love the dungeon theme from the original Fantasy Star. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a catchy tune. And you never you never played it with FM, right? No, I've never. I only played it with PSG. That's why I'm kind of tempted to get that Sega Ages port because I can play it with the FM sound. I think you'd enjoy it just because with all those quality of life things, like it's a much breezier affair. 
you know, between right. the mapping and having the FM sounds. Like it's it's worth it. So it's, it's a good I'm really disappointed that those those Sega Ages releases aren't also on PlayStation and Xbox. <laughs> Why are Again, they only on the like, Switch? I don't, you know, if if we had a nickel for every time we asked, why is Sega doing this? Then right. we'd all be doing this, you know? <laughs> oh, the sadness of a Sega fan. <laughs> oh, just... <laughs> oh, why do you hurt us so? Uh-huh. It really does seem like yeah. they don't want to make money sometimes. I'm like, why don't they make a compilation of these games and release it? Cobwebs. I hate money. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I mean, you like yes and no, though, because they end up trotting out like the same 40 Genesis games for a compilation, like yeah. every generation. But right. Oh, God. Uh, I love them. I hate them. You know, they were always <laughs> kind of ahead of the game. And then, you, you know, they're always trying something new and then sometimes it doesn't work out for them. And then they get gun shy, I think, and then just retreat into just re-releases. And I don't know. It's it's I don't know. Yeah. For me, the opening theme of Fantasy Star uh, online is my my probably my favorite. Just be the opening cinematics. It just yeah. still just makes my heart kind of like sore. Like I and I played it for Natalie, and I I swear like I felt the tears start to well up. Just the memory of it, and and it just represented it's a very particular time in my life. And then I would say probably. Uh, the music in three, I really liked a lot. That was um, your first. That was your first. That was my game. first. Yeah. Like for so me, it's, it's Fantasy Star Two. So that's the one where yeah. like, I have so many connections to Fantasy Star Two because that was the first one I really played in. And sort of like a six button brought up. That was at the time I got into Fantasy Star Two. I had also just really gotten into anime and manga, and I'd always been a big yeah. comic book fan. So it really like it. It got its hooks in me like deep. Like they're still in there somewhere. Yeah. digging around <laughs> they never it just left. had that same delightful like bubble era chunky style to the look of it. the it uh art just, like, in fantasy star 2 when you visit the different vendors like the weapons mm-hmm. chick she's got like that punk rock hair and there's a bunch of like cool like robocop looking pistols in the background it was <laughs> just like i was like this game is the shit i was so excited yeah. when i first saw that or that creepy lady that resurrects you that looks like a zombie oh, the herself. person yeah. yeah it's like what this lady's a creep i don't even want to see her again mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a bad yeah. take on jack nicholson's joker how that character looks. Yeah. <laughs> or Ronald McDonald on a 12 drink bender or something. Yes. I don't know. Got 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 into some spice. <laughs> yeah. From I a think theme from... point. Oh, sorry. No, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh no, please. Oh, we're I... also polite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think for the the initial thing that drew me in was that mix of of the Star Wars, like space fantasy, yes. science fiction, the yeah, Dune, that's... but then also that story reveal in Fantasy Star Two really made me start to think a lot about like, do we as humans even know what we want? Like, because sometimes when we get what we want, we'll do everything to screw it. Up. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of the theme of Fantasy Star Two, and I was like, man, and that that circled back to me wanting to retread other movies that gave me a similar feeling like Blade Runner and like getting into Philip K. Dick, things like that. And that's so fancy star two was kind of like the first game that, that to me, I felt that theme come on of, of how we sabotage ourselves despite mm-hmm. our face, you know? Yep. 
All right, Mitch, I'm sorry. You go now, sir. No, I want to, I, I think you wrap it up on that note because that's, that's kind of how I feel. And that was where I was going to go with that, that and the, the aesthetics combination of, of sci-fi, but with this retro future kind of <laughs> vibe, it just was something that uh, I don't think has really been done quite the same way. The, the magic and the, the imagination of it uh, just really kind of stands apart. I gotta say, the only time, the only thing, the only game I ever played that made me feel a very similar thing, and it's different, but I feel like it's still somewhat on the same wavelength, was from uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah. Oh. Dude, agreed. Come on, 100%. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Come on, man. That's gonna be a whole nother episode, because, yeah. But yeah, it just had that like that whole feeling of being in like this kind of world that fell apart, you know, yeah. it's kind of crumbled to dust, but then there's this character sort of discovering this thing and it leads to this other thing and oh, <laughs> God damn it, Sega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did announce they're remaking Panzer Dragoon Zvi, right? Yeah. Yeah. That same so team, I guess, we'll, that did yeah. uh, the first one. One day, maybe we'll get a saga. Yeah, one day. Saga anyway. was a big game, though. We'll see. It was. It deserves it. I, uh, I, I reserved that and picked it up day one at the software center that used to be at the Tucson Mall, and then yeah. probably within a year got rid of it, not knowing that it was going to be worth an astronomical fortune later on down the line. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten. I got rid of three in the, at the end of the at the end of the day and it, it still a uh, cringe did you beat it yeah oh yeah i beat Good. i beat the japanese one in fact i, I think that was the, i might well i might actually still have my japanese one packed I away a but i copy of that too that's funny yeah and i did have two copies of uh of the american release one that i played through and beat and the other because it was during that end of the saturn era and they were clearing mm-hmm. them out and I scored it someplace around town for for nothing, and then Damn. sold it for eighty bucks. And I thought I was making a killing at eighty bucks, and I was like, "Yeah, eighty dollars. Oops." Yeah, I don't even want to look up what it goes for now. That no, would just be depressing. <laughs> so, what could get you guys to go back to Fantasy Star? What what? If they made a new Fantasy Star, what would bring you back? Or if Fantasy if it said Star, Fantasy Star on the cover? <laughs> so are you gonna try pso2 new genesis with me because i'm fully soon the day they drop that i'm installing it just i gotta i gotta try it i have to yeah i'd give it a whirl it looks much better that's the thing like not that pso2 looked bad it just looks 10 years old um i had more complaints on pso2 with the interface it's very kind of clunky and it's hard to figure out what you're supposed to do. Um, I understood that, it just had kind of a faux convoluted quality to it. Yeah, I'm like hoping it was just the too new much revision. shit happening. You know what I mean? That was like didn't necessarily make it a more enjoyable game than the original PSO. Right. Yeah. Sometimes when they add more things in a game, it doesn't actually make it better. That was I have that reaction with like the Division Two. I felt did too much. And the division one was I had more fun with because it was a little simpler to play. Yeah. So yeah. And you didn't end up taking the destiny, right? Uh I played 
I didn't play one for that long. Two was better because at least it let you upgrade your gear, but the seasonal treadmill of that game has me not wanting to really play it long term. Okay. Um I understand yeah. they got a really big overhaul with Series X though. Yeah, it's supposed to be really nice. Don't don't think I haven't been tempted because there's not much <laughs> there's not much out there like that. Right. And it does have the gameplay solid in that game. It's really fun. It's on Game Pass. If you have Game Pass, it's worth installing just to check out. Uh, I might have to try it. Famous <laughs> last words. Famous last words. All right. So, famous last words. We're all going to try PSO2 New Genesis and hope it's good. Fingers crossed. Fingers For crossed. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you, gentlemen. This has been quite an epic episode of the RFC talking about all things Fantasy Star and our love for that dear Sega franchise that hopefully one day it would be nice if Sega would put together a story or even I would kill for a fully redone super remaster of one to four. That would be great. I would buy that in a heartbeat. But a new game would also be great truth all right gentlemen let's ride let's ride the waves of algal out of here and hope we don't run into dark falls peace peace having an awful sound day like my shit is just not working oh no oh so i i think it's, it's not going to affect the the, the podcast any but oh, like, that's good I got like a, a left ear cup going out, and then I got all kinds of sound bleed coming oh, out of the man. other one. It's like I keep trying to like swap this out. Yeah, it's garbage. I've got some fly problems of every kind. <laughs> Dude, that was a pretty damn good Lando first season. Damn. Yeah. You should see that as a sound clip, Mitch. That was that was pretty hot. Like you could just sneak that into episodes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>